the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> Today in our Gospel reading from St. John chapter 4, we have the healing of the nobleman's son who lived in Capernaum. And his son was sick to the point of death. And at that same time, Jesus had come into Cana. And Cana, of course, you'll remember being the place of Jesus' first miracle, where he turned water into wine at the wedding feast of Cana. What we need to see today, everything is through this nobleman's experience with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because by that experience, we're going to see this nobleman go from a weaker, less mature faith to a stronger and a more certain faith. By the way that Christ was with him, what Christ will do for him, and how Christ will guide him in that ascension from lesser to greater faith. It is the story of us all. He's doing this daily for us. So let's hear this gospel testimony. So a nobleman, this is a royal official. He travels from Capernaum to Cana. That was about 25 miles, which would have been a two-day journey for him at that time, having heard that Jesus was there. And he seeks Jesus out. And he comes to him with a request, and he says, Come to Capernaum and heal my son. He's at the point of death. Now our Lord Jesus Christ knows this man perfectly and knows his son. But he knows this man, this nobleman, perfectly. And he sees in the nobleman a seed of faith that needs to be watered so that it can grow strong. You see, as St. John Chrysostom points out, the man had a seed of faith because he knew, I'm going to travel two days just to get to Jesus, and I at least have the belief that it is possible that this man, Jesus Christ, can heal my son. The seed of faith was there. But as this great saint, St. John Chrysostom, points out, there are two noticeable weak points in the nobleman's faith and probably others we can't see. The first is this. He believed that Jesus was limited by location. In other words, if Jesus didn't go with him on that two-day journey and be present, his son couldn't be healed. He didn't know yet that the one he was looking at was God, and the location means nothing. He's everywhere. Secondly, the nobleman believed in finality regarding death. Why wouldn't he up to this point? He believed in finality and sensed the finality regarding death, which is why he asked Jesus to come see his son unless he dies, so that he won't die. Again, not knowing yet the reality that the one that he was speaking to and that he, who would soon speak to him was the one who is the resurrection and the life. You see an imperfect faith ready to grow, but an imperfect faith that our Lord is going to help. So Jesus does not say immediately with him, let's go, I'm going to go with you, we're going to heal your boy. Nor does he say the words yet, go, your son will live. Instead, Jesus says something to him that to our ears ought to shock us that he would say to a man whose son was dying. When the man requests, come with me, my son is dying, and come and heal him, here's his answer. He looks at him and says, unless you people believe signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. How shocking almost. Where's the tenderness? Why didn't you take him around your arm and comfort him and said everything will be okay? 
He says, unless you people see a work, a sign, a wonder, you won't believe. It's shocking to us to hear something like that, to see Jesus in this way. Why? Because we need our own seed of faith grown, and we need to expand our own knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the reality is that we do not know or have the mind of Christ on most issues until he shares it. We don't think like he thinks. We don't have the wisdom over every single soul that he has in any given moment. And what's in his mind to do for all of us and to do for this nobleman, what's in his mind to do for us is far greater than we could ever ask and far greater than we could ever expect. Because this is the healer of the souls of mankind. And so you see, the Lord is about to bring healing and pure joy, not just to one soul, but to two souls. The nobleman is asking for Christ to heal his son, and he will do so very soon. But the nobleman is equally going to be blessed and filled within his own soul as he's brought to a greater faith by what the Lord is doing for him through this whole process. You see, when Jesus chastises the nobleman for his weaker faith, we need to see this truth. And again, St. John Chrysostom points this out. He said the chastisement shows the care of God for this nobleman. For those whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And there he's quoting Hebrews chapter 12. It might sound harsh. It might not feel gentle. But it is the absolute love of God at work here that chastens this man to a good and a better end. And in the infinite wisdom of the healer, this medicine is being given to him to draw him to a greater experience of Christ. Who Jesus is. And all that he has come to do that's going to fill his soul. It's going to fill his soul. So after chastening him, look at what happens. We find the desperation of the nobleman for Jesus to act on behalf of his son. It has intensified by what our Lord has said. We, see, we hear this when the nobleman says, Sir, come down before my child dies. There's an exclamation point in the scriptures. He is more vocal. He is pressing in further. It's a holy desperation for mercy. A holy desperation admitting a need for help. And you're the only one that can do it. I see that. You see, the Lord's at work. Such a profound plea for help. And Jesus now responds to him. Go your way. Your son lives. But what we'll learn is that even on the 25-mile journey, two-day journey back to Capernaum, it would be a journey of a growing faith to greater faith. We see that because we're told that the man believed in the words of Christ enough to take that journey back home. And this man, think about it, he would have been filled with hope. Could it be? Could it be that my son has been healed? Wondering, could it be true? So his faith had grown, but still not yet perfected. We know this because of what's written in the next verse, 51. And as he was going, now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Listen to his inquiry. He's still wanting to believe, but not yet there. And he says to them, 
What hour was it that he got better? And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. You see it? Now he sees. Now he knows. So the father knew. Let me stop right there. That's the end of the growth of great faith. We come to know. We come to know Christ. We come to see through what he's done who he is. And it says the father, the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Jesus had healed the nobleman's son. And in his great wisdom, the chastisement of the love of God for this nobleman brought healing and true hope and great faith to his soul, setting him on that journey to grow from faith to faith. And the result was this. Not only were just the two rescued, the father and the son, but we're told the whole household of the nobleman came to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ our God from this experience. Salvation came to their whole household. What do we take from this? As his disciples, as his beloved children. Two things. Number one, please know this. Christ our God is not threatened. He is not limited. He is not disgusted. And he is not appalled by our lack of faith at any season of our life or in any circumstances that we may be faced with. We are encouraged by this nobleman. We are encouraged to come to our Lord Jesus Christ precisely as we are with our weak faith and all. Your Savior knows with precision and great wisdom precisely how to water the seed of your faith and make it grow if we will come with our weak faith and trust that. From baptism until our falling asleep in Christ, true faith is only obtained through a lifelong journey of experience, from one experience of our Lord Jesus Christ to another, all of the days of our life, just like this nobleman was set on a journey by Christ, that we see in this gospel testimony, that journey from faith to faith. The second thing that we take from this, do not ever despise the chastisement of the Lord your God. Do not despise the chastisement of Christ, the lover of your soul. We need to grow up in maturity as children of God who cry out, Abba, Father, because he is indeed our Father. But this Father loves us enough to be tender when we need tenderness and to chastise us to bring our soul out of the pit and up in an ascension. And sometimes the chastisement breaks all things loose that we need broken to make that ascension. And it is His infinite love that chastises, not His disgust and disappointment with you. God chastises those whom He loves. Just like God, consider this, as God said to Job just before He chastised Job, when Job had suffered the suffering of all sufferings in his life, And just before he chastised him, and by the way, that chastisement of God on Job, remember what Job said it brought to him. He made this statement after that chastisement, before I knew about you, but now I know you, God. 
see that. And just before chastising Job, he says some important words to him. He says, Job, brace yourself up like a man. Brace yourself up like a man and answer me when I question you as Christians, as his children. We need to come before Christ and we need to brace ourselves up like his created men and women to stand before him, trusting him, knowing that we may experience his tenderness and his consolation, which will grow our faith. And at other times, we will experience his chastisement, which is equally his love for us and the care for our soul that will save us and grant us great faith. You see, the love of God is not defined by what this culture say love is. It is not fluff. The love of God is not fluff. And it will never be limited to what we think the love of God is in our interpretation and our broken humanity and limited understanding of God and His love. I saw a wonderful, beautiful quote on this very thing just recently. It came across and said this, God is love. And love is a fire that consumes sin and death without consuming His precious creation. Love is a fire. God is love. Love is a fire that consumes sin and death within us without consuming us. That's His love. See, the love of God is fierce. And it is wondrous. And the love of God is manifest through the skilled physicianship of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great physician, to do anything and all things necessary to save us and to redeem His people. And so, my friends, faith is this journey, a journey orchestrated by the presence of Christ to transform us from glory to glory and from faith to faith by every experience coming to say, now I know you, Christ Jesus, because it's in knowing him, my friends, that is the definition of our salvation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.